Go Ask Alice is a show intended for adult audiences because adults want to learn too. Sometimes we cover sensitive material, so please take care of yourselves and listener discretion is advised. Now on to the show. Hello, internet friends, and welcome back to another episode of Go Ask Alice, the show where we jump down random internet rabbit holes and bring you wonderful factoids from our adventures in Wiki Wonderland. I'm Drew, and I've been playing way too many games that Steve bought me, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> uh, don't worry about it. With me is... <laughs> oh, man. I, now I don't want to say what I prepared. Oh, <laughs> prepare it. Go. I'm Lindsay, and I'm going to make you sweat. Oh <laughs> yeah, let's yeah. go. And I'm Jean, and I know for a fact that when it comes to my sister and I, I am definitely Lindsay's favorite. Oh my god, do not do Ooh. this to me! Ooh. Because Woof. this is the show where there's no place for that. <laughs> we jump down random internet rabbit holes every week. We start on the same wiki page behind the scenes, and we navigate using links within the article until we find something so metrically fascinating. We cannot stop reading it, and we are bursting with excitement to share with each other and with all of you. This week, we started on the very unassuming Armadillo. And God knows we've really, truly encountered things that we are bursting to share. So, Gene, we've been waiting for weeks with your teasers. <laughs> weeks. What is it? Um, I landed on kleptoplastic sacoglossins. Oh, my God. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> that sounds like something I do not want to find in a dumpster. <laughs> uh, yeah, probably not. <laughs> That'd be very weird. Drew, where did you end up? I ended up on Robert Liston, a person again. And uh, he might be known as the fastest surgeon to ever have lived. To ever have lived. The fastest dang surgeon. Hmm. So he just, from the hip. (laughs) Now you have a new heart. Your leg's off. More like. (laughs) He's he's not the guy who did surgery on himself, is he? No, not not that I saw, but. Did he do surgery on a grape? He's not a robot. He's not that good. (laughs) (laughs) What did you do, Lindsay? Um... I want Drew to say mine. Oh. Drew knows? Spoilers? What? No, I know. Not that I, I know. just queued it up in Bibness. Uh. Drew, can you say this in a 1940s radio voice? Oh my God. You want that again? <laughs> well, okay. Go before that it. was a 19-teens advert voice. Oh. Now I want 1940s radio presenter. Are you ready? It's going to be the same thing, but go for it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> now presenting the gorgeous hussy. Trumpets start playing. <laughs> that was... I'm going to talk about the gorgeous hussy, also related the petticoat affair. Oh, wow. That sounds strangely familiar. You might have might have learned about it in school, honestly. Okay, okay. Before we can even dive in, we have to talk about our question of the week. And this one came about organically on the Discord. This is somewhat of Geist's question. Actually, it's entirely Geist's question because pretty sure they were like, this should be a question of the week. And now it is. Geist and I found like all, close to 700 pages worth of charms that you can put in your Crocs. And we want to know what are your favorite gibbets? What would you decorate your Crocs with? <laughs> Good. <laughs> Who wants to go first? Wait. Wait, Drew, are you going to say the thing you said earlier? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I won't steal that then. Because <laughs> that, that, one, that one surprised me because it, um, it was the hemp leaf. It's, yeah, it's a beautiful leaf. A beautiful leaf out um, there. 
Not that not that I'm deep into that that culture, that dank culture, but um, <laughs> wait, why would you put it on your Crocs then? Because <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> so everyone knows you're cool. You're a cool guy. All right, all right. It's like the modern Boy Scout. <laughs> Like sash. <laughs> I, I was gonna say that would that would be like me putting boobs on mine. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah, that's. I, I just I saw it and I was just like, that's odd that they would put that on Crocs. Cause I don't know, Crocs feel. Why do I feel this way? Crocs feel religious to me. I don't know why they feel like, <laughs> religious, like cultish. You mean? No, no, no. Like like they have ties to religion. Like you know. Do they? No. To me, they have ties to food service because, like, everybody in food service wears Crocs. <laughs> Why do I feel like they're religious? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe we, Drew knows something we don't know. Like, the, like the owners are super religious or something. I, I have zero idea, but like. It just sticks to me as religion, and that's why the oh the hemp God. leaf was especially funny. Because I'm just like, what religious person would have this? <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's fair. Maybe that's perfect because my favorite charms that I found were like strings of pearls that would go from one hole to the other. So I just want like very fancy <laughs> rugs. But I love that. Runner up for which I also love the like plastic versus like pearls, like just really cheap versus really expensive. But my runner up favorite was a very, very teeny tiny fanny pack that had a working zipper. <laughs> No. That's Why? where you put the drugs, Drew. That's, that's where, where that's you right put the drugs. Yes, that's where you put the drugs. Just, just a small yeah. hit. Um, mine would be. I'm gonna double down with Drew. Hemp leaf. And, yeah, and it's and it's not really hemp. Wink, wink. Those are two separate things. <laughs> we can get into that later. Um, but also, I would go with black cats and rainbows on top of that. Oh, that's. Those Crocs are a fun time. That's a, those, those are a fun time. You encounter those in the hallway and you're like, someone here knows how to have a good time. Yeah, oh, yeah. there's a, a party walking down the street. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like, we were just talking about Crocs on my stream and I'm going to be like a recent convert coming up. You think? Well, okay. I The whole reason I brought this to the attention of the Discord is because somebody on Twitter was posting about Honey Nut Cheerios Crocs that have like these massive sandworm looking Cheerios. I, I saw it. They were heinous. I want them so bad. Unironically, I want them so bad. No. They're bright orange, like swirly with white. Oh my God. And of course, I had to ask Geist which one was their favorite. And they picked a UFO that was beaming down rainbows, which I thought was very oh, sweet. Oh, yeah. Aww. Okay. I like that. Yeah. We love rainbows. That very good. Uh, that's a lot about Crocs. Yeah, religious Crocs. <laughs> <laughs> This is also probably a really good time to say if anybody ever wants to come join our Discord, we have a permanent invite on our Twitter, Go Ask Alice Pod, where we get into all sorts of trouble behind the scenes. You have access to our spoilers channel and our base of operations is in this Discord. We're recording in it now, looking at each other. You can get spoilers. You can answer question of the week. You can debate the religious nature of Crocs. You can do whatever <laughs> you want here. So go ask Alice Pod on Twitter or um, find our link tree. And more importantly, I would say, if you like to consume your media optically through the lens of your eyeballs, you can watch Gene's Twitch stream, which has fabulously taken off part of Gunshizer Inc. with Michelle, right? <laughs> Everybody knows Inc. Michelle. I have to use the the yeah, 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 pre-existing yeah. <laughs> channels. They don't know Gene. 
Yes, I do. I'm getting back at you for waking me up this morning with your sibling rivalry. I don't know how many times I have to say it. Michelle started it. <laughs> I was just chilling on the couch, drinking coffee, and she's like, hmm, who do you think she likes more? And I was like, oh, here we fucking go. <laughs> this and she's gonna be like i told you (laughs) (laughs) anyway gene how can we find you how can we watch you on twitch oh yeah um twitch.tv slash schvancy that is s-c-h-v-a-n-t-z-i um ask me on stream what that means and i'll tell you about it later because right now it's too much to get into (laughs) (laughs) and there's also a link to gene's twitch channel at our link tree if you find our link tree to also join the discord and gene also has his own fun discord um related to his twitch channel so if you're looking for lots of friendship we've got it to go around yeah we're gamers up in there so if you like video games and stuff like that come on in all right so it sounds like are both of your topics scientific uh biological scientific bio okay i'm just gonna say a rat as fuck dude so Huh. All right. I'm trying to think of a good order. I think I think I should break up the bioscience. So maybe I'll go second. Okay. So it's not too much science. Unless you guys want to do like a ramping up. It could be. I don't think it's so much science. It's just like, you know, biology. Like it, it's a... <laughs> like a science. <laughs> what, do you, what do you say about bio? Hey. It's, it's not. I mean, I guess there's science. Okay. Never mind. There's scientific terminology, but it's all like bio fun stuff. It's not like all right. So why don't complicated? Why don't shit. we do? Why don't we do Gene Drew me? Yeah, I like yeah, that one first. I like that. All right. All right. So we got kleptoplastic sacoglossins. <laughs> Does anyone want to guess what that is? You're, there's no way you're gonna know. <laughs> is it sugar that steals? Uh, you're kind of right about the second part, the stealing part. No, definitely no sugar. I don't know where you got that from. Okay, cool. I was thinking klept. Yeah, klepto, like kleptomaniac. Stealing. Any ideas, Drew? Any guesses? Judging by from spoilers, so I saw a lot of chloroplast. Ooh, 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 yes you did, yes you did. I did see a lot of chloroplast, and I recognized it, and was like, oh, maybe we're doing some, like, bioenergetics. Uh, Maybe? Oh, so, yeah, my topic kind of goes into that all the way at the end where I'm like, okay. they need to research this more because bioenergetics would be a fucking awesome thing to go with on this topic. Oh. Ooh, I love that okay, Drew so- was like, science, I know this. <laughs> Jump in, right. Gene. Tell us all, all about right, it. All right, all right. Sacoglossa are a super order of small sea slugs and sea snails. Oh. 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 Those colorful little cuties in the ocean. Um, they live by ingesting the cellular contents of algae, which we all know what algae is, <laughs> which yeah, also yeah. gives them the sap-sucking sea slugs nickname. Say that five times fast. Sap-sucking sea slugs. God, I wish Sarah was here. Oh, oh my God, God. That was so much fun. <laughs> Probably make her sick trying to say it. I'm sorry. Sap-sucking. <laughs> 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 Um, so most psychoglossins fully digest the algal fluids that they take in, but a few select others sequester, incorporate, and utilize the still-living chloroplasts within their own tissue. Ooh. Ooh. Wait, so they just, like, take over their body? They basically suck in chloroplasts from algae, and their bodies somehow convert this into their own things 
that they will use in the future. Wait, so it would be like if I went to the supermarket, bought a liver, ingested it, and then I used it as a liver. Well, no, it would be like if you went to the supermarket, got a head of lettuce, ate it, and then suddenly your cells were like, oh, I can photosynthesize this. I think the same what? thing. <laughs> I think yeah. it's, uh, what is that? Endobiogenic? No, what's the word for it? You'll, you'll probably get into it. I, I definitely don't remember any endobiogenesis. Sheesh. Um, <laughs> Look at this scientist up in here. It's Yeah, you might as well be talking about some anime I've never seen. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the, the same idea of how we got mitochondria and, and how chlorophyll actually works. Is Oh, you, oh I know what you're talking about. Kind yeah. of, kind of, kind of, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, we do oh, go a little good. bit into that towards, All right, cool. towards okay. the end. Um, but yeah, so they steal these chloroplasts. It's hence kleptoplasty, uh, kleptoplasty, um, or kleptoplastic. Oh, klepto okay. meaning stolen, and plast meaning living living substance or like organelle from a cell. So they okay. steal these parts of cells and then they incorporate it into themselves and utilize them as animals, u- utilizing plant cells. That's fucking crazy. That is so crazy. Wait, okay, so it's an animal. Yeah, it's a slug. Using a plant. Yes, they steal cells from a plant and then use them within their own animal tissue after converting them. Oh my God. So hence why you corrected me and said, no, it's like a lettuce. Like it's like as if yeah, you were yeah, like yeah, a- Yeah, 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 Oh my God. Because it's plant matter. Although technically algae isn't a plant, it's a protist, but we'll, we can get into that if you're interested. Also, <laughs> Mossman of the He-Man Masters of the Universe franchise does this on the regular. I just D- want to put that he? out there. That <laughs> the blueprint has been set, and it's Mossman. <laughs> so um, plast, we said plast are living substance and organelles, the, the suffix plast. So in this case, we have chloroplast, which we already said, which are membrane-bound organelles that contain chlorophyll, the things that plants use to um, utilize photosynthesis, which gives them energy and food to survive. Um, so as a result, these little slugs are also nicknamed solar-powered sea slugs, which is cute. Oh, <laughs> so cute. <laughs> Not entirely accurate, but cute. Nicknames aside, these few sacoglossins are super unique in the multicellular animal, which is the metazoan kingdom. As kleptoplasty is otherwise only known to exist in single-celled protists and two species of marine flatworms that were only recently studied in 2019. So there's literally just like a handful of these creatures that exist that can utilize kleptoplasty, which is fucking awesome. Yeah. And also sounds like based on your other examples, the one that you are talking about specifically might be the biggest organism that does it because the other ones sound kind of small. Yeah, the marine worms, I mean, they're they're all kind of small. Some of the sea slugs can get... To a decent size, like a little, like a little under the the size of your palm, maybe. Although I guess everyone's palm is different. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that I mean, relative to what I imagine your other examples were, yeah, that's that's pretty big. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like we're talking about cells eating other cells here. It's like really an animal. It is. Yeah. It is straight up an animal. Yeah. Yeah, that's fascinating. And to like counter, so like the animal kingdom versus protists. Protists are just organisms whose cell or cells contain a nucleus, but aren't considered animals, plants, or fungi. And this is where, like I was saying, we can get into it where, like, amoebas are protists, algaes are pro- protists. They're not They're not real plants. Did you know that, actually, this is completely going off topic, but did you know that kelp is actually a protist and not a plant? It's just a type of complex brown algae. No! Like, the biggest, <laughs> fastest growing sea, quote-unquote, plant is actually just a complex brown algae. That's Ew! Cool. That's cool. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Kelp is awesome. That should be its own topic. Anyway... <laughs> <laughs> There are 284 known diverse species within the Sacoglossus superorder alone, divided into two clades, the shelled and the shellless families. 
which are then further divided into other sets of clades, families, and so on. It's way too compli- complicated to get into. We'll just chalk it up to genetic diversity. Yeah. You're welcome, Drew. Yeah. <laughs> Diversity, yeah. Can you say it really close to the microphone, Drew? Genetic diversity. <laughs> <laughs> However, all sacroglossins are distinct- distinguished from other related groups of sea slugs and sea snails via their single row of sharp teethies. So oh. I don't know if you've ever seen like a snail on the side of an aquarium where it's just kind of like sucking and scraping all the algae off, kind of like with this yeah. little, little circular thing. These sacroglossins have a uniquely adapted uh, set of teeth that are kind of more like made for piercing. So the, they'll like climb onto some algae or whatever, and then they'll they'll pierce through it, and then they'll suck on, and then they'll just suck out all the fluids and like leave the husk and everything behind. Whereas normal mollusks will scrape it all up and digest it. These guys only want oh the fluids, God. and then they spit out the rest. They're like vampires. Kind of. They're cute though. Oh, <laughs> cute vampire. <laughs> um, but of like those two... vegetarian vampires. <laughs> of those two eighty four known. Only a few sacroglossins are capable of actually fully utilizing kleptoplasty, which is the whole stealing those chloroplasts and utilizing themselves. And none of the shelled variety can do it. It's only the shellless. I was going to ask, yeah, like, wouldn't the shells get in the way of any further photosynthesis? Like, I they wonder if cover... that's why. Yeah. That's very that interesting sense. that you bring that up. I was also wondering, like, I was researching and I was like, I don't poor, poor shelled sacroglossins. What, what's the deal? Why can't they do it? And that makes sense now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, yeah, there's just less surface area, I guess. Yeah, so only a few of the non-shelled variety can make full intracellular use of the ingested chloroplasts. So do you want to find out how they do it? Of course. Yeah, what's the secret uh, yeah. dish? What's the secret? <laughs> After ingesting the f- uh, the fresh algal fluids, functional chloroplasts travel down to the digestive system tract and are retained in these specialized cell linings of the sea slugs digest- digestive tract called diverticula, which are little pouches all along the tract. Um, interestingly, scientists still don't know how the chloroplasts, there's a lot of complicated science words, so bear with me. They don't know how these chloroplasts are protected from the digestion process before they're caught and incorporated. Mm. There's a lot they don't know about these, which is fascinating because that means there's more research. It's also kind of sad, which means, because, you know, they're going to like digest them and shit. Let's not get into that. (laughs) Um, The chloroplasts then undergo, you probably know this, Drew, phagocytosis. Oh, yeah, phagocytosis, yeah. Oh, oh, I wasn't going to say that. Oh, you saw, oh my sorry, God. That's, that's, that's the word. Are you sure it's not phago? It no, it's, it's, it's phagocytosis. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, well, fuck me. <laughs> the chloroplasts then undergo phagocytosis. <laughs> LGBT podcast, Drew. I feel very attacked right now. <laughs> oh, my God. I just, I just fucking turning, said it. <laughs> he's turning so red. <laughs> it's, it's a biology he's, word. <laughs> Um, Anyway, this is a process in which cells use their plasma membrane to engulf a a large particle, creating an internal compartment called a... I'm going to say phagosome. That's fine. That's fine. You do what you need to do. (laughs) Sheesh. Anyway, in most multicellular organisms, this is used to remove unwanted pathogens or debris from cells. But in sacoglossins, guess what happens? It incorporates it instead. Yes, they incorporate the chloroplasts, changing them into what what are things known as klepto plasts instead of chloroplasts because they're stolen chloroplasts they're now kleptoplasts i this is making me beam from ear to ear i I love animal biology shit so 
However, it is not fully understood whether the stolen plastids actively secrete uh, photosynthate or whether the slugs benefit indirectly from the slowly degrading kleptoplasts. This process is somewhat mystifying as the upkeep of chloroplasts usually requires interaction with genes encoded within algal cell nucleuses, which the slugs either spit out or poop out while they're eating it or digesting it, right? Scientists have hypothesized that the slugs somehow undergo, and this is where I was going to say we're going to get into it, a lateral gene transfer in which the genes of algae are actually transmitted to the animal and then used to keep the acquired plastids functional for months after they would have otherwise decomposed. This is fucking crazy. They literally like somehow, I mean, potentially hypothesized, right? So they somehow literally like steal, rework, and adapt algal cells into their animal cells to keep these kleptoplasts alive and functional for way longer than they would normally just sitting in like you know outside of the algae or plant or whatever that's crazy i've also never seen drew throw both his arms up in the air Ah! like that and do spirit fingers i'm fucking oh my god it's so it's so good horizontal gene transfer is so that's why you were excited yeah horizontal horizontal gene gene transfer yeah did you not hear what it is it's one organism stealing the genes of another and converting them into its own to utilize for itself i know that made me excited but drew is clearly excited because he's heard of it before and it has like a history with it also, is horizontal gene transfer what we're going to call you switching between the Discord channels? <laughs> horizontal gene transfer. I don't, I don't think that applies, but we could. <laughs> I think it's more vertical gene transfer in this case. With this <laughs> word, oh, I hate puns. I'm sorry I did that. <laughs> I know yeah, I take it out. too seriously. <laughs> no, get out. <laughs> Maybe I'm jumping several guns up here, but... Does that mean, so like in humans, for example, you can have an issue where if you get like a donor organ or something like that, your body rejects it. Is this related? Like, could this science be used to help people, you know, maintain foreign objects in their body? <laughs> That's a question for Drew. I, I, I do not know. So it's, um, it's gross, not gross, but it's really cool. Um, when you have a different organ in you, um, it's just recognizing self versus non-self. It's different like sugars and different proteins on it that just like mm. your body's just like, oh shit, that's not me. And then that's what causes you to reject a, an organ is, is your body just being like, that's not me. Because of the complexity of the organism, I might sort of doubt that they have that kind of like sugar structures or protein structures on, on their organs. So it's just kind of like, yeah, it doesn't matter if it's self or non-self. Like, we're just doing it. And then with us, it would be like, kill, you know, if it got put yeah. into our body. That's not supposed to be here. Phagosome that shit out of here. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Amazing hypothesis that scientists have had. Sadly, it has been contested by other scientists, because you know how it is in the scientist world. Oh, they're, they're all like, fuck you. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. I'm going to run some <laughs> genomic DNA sequencing and trans transcriptic uh, transcriptomic analysis and show you and so that happened and now it's kind of like contested <laughs> but it's not entirely proven wrong so who knows do you know what any of that means i know i'm yes. sure you know genomic dna sequencing you kind of know yes. i kind of know what that is but transcriptomic analysis so the transcriptome is super cool because you have the genome which is like what your genes actually code and then the next level is the transcriptome which is like Ooh. what's actually being like coded not coded what's actually being produced by your genes so it's like the next it's like your proteome almost so it's like oh, so it's like a it's like a deep dive into dna sequencing itself yeah it's not it's not even looking at dna you're looking at like what's actually in the organism 
metabolism, like what, what like proteins are being produced and what like really cool shit's all over the place. Like you're trying to really look at not just what the genes code because the genes are really like they can be turned on and off, but what's like actually in there is super like you're looking at that instead of just like what could be there. So that's, that's like kind of the difference. That's fucking cool. I love that. I love that Jew is totally nerding out when I'm over here like, tell fucking... me more. <laughs> it's great. So it's really the instructions. It's really that's the recipe book. Well, it's the genes are the recipe book. This is more like the the steak you cooked. Uh, I hate to use steak because we're vegetarians here, but um, um, <laughs> but it's the one. It's the one that you choose to cook. It's basically what you have. What the the transcriptome is what you have cooked, and it's just like oh, what's like actually sitting there and existing. The, the products versus... of the recipe. Exactly. Exactly. That's Got it. Got you. Like the dinner. The dinner. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Awesome. What's on your plate? Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. All right. As opposed to what's in the book. Oh, Mm. God, I love these metaphors. I I love this episode so much. (laughs) 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 Anyway, either way, the slugs do benefit. Regardless of what the fuck is happening in them, they they clearly benefit. Research shows that they fucking benefit from this shit. They can survive for months living solely on the photosynthetic products of their acquired plastids or the kleptoplasts. Um, the longest known kleptoplastic retention can last up to 10 months in the species Elysia chloratica. And this is done by utilizing chloroplasts from the algae Vicaria littoria. Not to get too complicated, but I say these words, or these names and specific algae um, on purpose because chloroplasts from different algae have been found to simultaneously exist with individual slugs. So like from algae A, algae B, and algae C suggesting that kleptoplastic ability is not exclusive to one type of algae or another. However, the longevity of differing, differing algal chloroplasts within these individual sea slugs does vary. So we're not sure if this is based on the species of algae, the species of slug, or an unknown different factor. It's fucking wild. That's wild. That's <laughs> isn't that, wild. Isn't that genetic diversity? Fidgeting. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> fidgeting because it's so wild to me. Uh, so regardless, psychoglassins are also able to choose which method of feeding they use. When food is plentiful, they simply eat and digest their food like any other animal. Um, when food is scarce and starvation begins to set in, which varies between species from like less than a week to up to four months, some of those slugs are hardy as shit, <laughs> the slugs are able to tap into their reserved kleptoplasts and sustain themselves through the so- uh, photosynthetic properties until regular preferred food becomes available again. This is typically a last resort to avoid death, though. They don't really like utilizing the, you know, the photosynthesis process. they rather just, you know, eat their food, as I'm sure you and me and everyone else would. Because would you rather just passively be sustained? I mean, I guess maybe some people would. <laughs> I'm sure some people would be like, God, it saves so much time and have time for work. But not me. I, I like the enjoyment of constantly eating and, you know, tastes and textures and all that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we're normal. Feeling normal. <laughs> if you have to say it. Um, so some species like Elysia crispata, which I love that name, crispata. <laughs> crispata. <laughs> strategically use this to survive seasonal or environmental environmental changes as their food supply fluctuates throughout the year. So like, you know, if it's cold and dark and whatnot, there's less algae around. Or if there's like a pollution thing or if, you know, climate change, they're like, oh shit, there's like no algae right now. I'll just, I'll just tap into my reserves do your thing, son. S-U-N, wow. not S-O-N. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, like, that's pretty much it for that. But, like, they do have a few other things that I thought were cool on top of, like, stealing, you know, kleptoplasts and living off of the sun's energy and converting that shit. Because yeah. that's crazy. 
Um, Psychoglossins additionally use something called kleptochemistry, in which they steal anti-herbivory compounds, which are chemicals that make plants taste like nasty and like be poisonous to other animals so that animals don't eat those plants. And then they convert that into their own toxins to ward off their predators. Oh my god! These slugs are so fucking cool, I can't get over it. They're little kleptomaniacs! (laughs) Yeah, so for this week, I ended up on a person again. I had to go through a little bit of a convoluted path to get to Robert Liston. Um, I went through armor, uh, because armadillos and all that. Um, And then I went to World War I, and then I went to wartime medicine, then to regular medicine. And then finally, anesthetics, which is how I ended specifically on Robert Liston. So, um, did, did you see Belladonna in wartime uh, medicine by any chance? I was just kind of skimming, but oh, yeah, okay, I, okay. I, I was because I didn't want to get caught up in, in wartime medicine because then I'd be like on here for like twenty Fair, true. hours. So let me set the scene a little bit for this because we need to we need to talk because oh. we, I want everyone on the same page here. We need Let's to go. talk. It's the eighteen hundreds and medicine, specifically surgery is fucking brutal (laughs) it's garbage it's fucking brutal and if you were going to surgery you were really fucked up like you were messed up beyond belief like in a good way no 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 No. if you were going into surgery you were not you were doing pretty terribly like it was like a last resort it's a last resort. Oh, and I thought likely... you meant like the medicine was fucking you no, up. No, 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 no. <laughs> Never mind. This is not a hemp leaf Crocs moment. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> but like the, the bad thing was it's very likely that you would be even more messed up after the surgery because the surgery was not, was not great. <laughs> I love so... that. <laughs> Gene. Uh, sorry. I, I, just, I, I don't know. I'm a bad person. oh wait i have so many stories for you then hell yeah oh my god okay so this was a time before aseptic technique and hygiene standards were really you know well understood and and well implemented so it's extremely likely you'd end up with a life-threatening infection due to a surgery in addition when i say surgery you normally think of a very careful process but most of the time these surgeries involve removing limbs or just like huge massive operations just to like you know remove an organ or or I don't know if they'd even remove organs I think it was just like removing limbs was very common mm. but um now, now that sounds yeah that sounds horrible and like all in, all by itself the real problem here is that this was all done without anesthetics. Anesthetics didn't exist <gasps> at this point. No, no, no. I'm, I'm curling my toes in. No, no, no. <laughs> so these people were going through surgeries literally awake and aware of everything that was Dude. going on. Okay, that's not funny. That's just awful. I would not wish that on my worst enemy. Absolutely not. That sounds horrible. That's torture. Exactly. That's, you know, <laughs> that's literally the word I use. Yeah. Because it's... It, You'd basically get tortured for, you know, however long, and then you'd just most likely die afterwards because you'd get a terrible infection. Why couldn't they just make you so drunk you pass out and then do it? Dude, being drunk makes you bleed like crazy. Yeah. Do you think they understood that then, though? <laughs> probably, probably. They probably tried it. Who knows? But well, we'll get we'll get into what we what they tried because it, it's pretty wild. <laughs> I just right, I right. I still think I'd be a great old timey doctor. <laughs> and just chopping limbs left and right. Next, I'd be like, get get drunk, then we'll see. <laughs> no, get drunk. You, you would have a high mortality rate, higher than normal. 
higher Which than was already one. fucking high. I was going <laughs> to say, like, where's the bar right now? Like, I think that's fine. Got to break a few eggs to make an omelet. <laughs> You're definitely going to be breaking eggs. Horrible metaphor for this situation. <laughs> So, so surgery sucks. Like, clearly surgery sucks at this point. It's not great. <laughs> um, so where does Robert Liston fit into all this? Well, yeah. let me explain a little bit about him. Because Robert Liston was a British surgeon who ended up being the first professor of clinical surgery at University College Hospital in London. He's very well known, very well respected for being a surgeon. And um, he was instrumental in bringing modern anesthesia uh, to Europe just because he performed the first public operation using anesthesia. So it's super cool because he was just like, I'm going to like, use this and, and, you know, show it to people and so that people actually really would pick it up because he was so re- well what respected. What was it? Like, was it like some kind of chemical or gas or... Yeah, like it was ether. In- ether. Ether. Oh, the-, the ether. <laughs> tapped into the ether. <laughs> okay, it but was a gas though. <laughs> it was a gas, yeah. Okay. Um, but before we get into that, let's start from the beginning because I, I, I'll, I'll set him up a little bit because he deserves a little setup. Um, so he was initially educated by his father in Abercorn Village School, and after that, after school, he was accepted to Edinburgh Medical School uh, from basically 1808 forward. And then in 1810, he became the assistant to his tutor, Dr. Robert, sorry, Dr. John Barclay. And Barclay was a Scottish comparative and anatomist, that's the word for it, mm-hmm. um, who taught him all kinds of human anatomy and human physiology, but he did it through the lens of both the animal kingdom and direct human anatomy human anatomy, which is super cool. Cause I, I think that's a, a great way to really, um, learn anatomy is, is looking at not just what's happening in humans, but also looking at the animal kingdom as well. Super cool. I did a lot of that in school. It's, it's just great, but he was, he was definitely sort of on his way to becoming a surgeon at this point. Cause he knew human anatomy really well. Then in 1816, uh, Liston went to London for a year to train under William Blizzard. So uh, Blizzard. Blizzard. Bl- yeah, no, fucking badass last name. Um, it's only with one Z though, so it's not uh, as cool. Loser. My name is Willie Willie Blizz. <laughs> Willie Blizz. E. 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 <laughs> William Blizzard was actually a well-respected surgeon at the time. Who he two facts I found out about him when I was looking him up. He was very against child labor in the in cotton mills, so he was very against that. What's wrong with child was, labor? <laughs> what's wrong with child labor? Yeah, their hands have to. They're the only things that fit in the machine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I fucking, you. <laughs> Are you, like, against commerce, Drew? (laughs) (laughs) Sure. (laughs) The other cool fact was he lived to to be 92, which is really surprising. For that time, right? For that time, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Really surprising. Two things you got to know about this man. One, didn't like child labor. Two, (laughs) lived to be 92. (laughs) Lived to. (laughs) Well, he was also a very well-respected surgeon, is what I said. He's a a cool guy. But he, he really helped Robert Liston become a great surgeon. Well, as great of a surgeon as you could be at the time. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> Liston returned to Edinburgh uh, to teach anatomy in 1818, and he became a house surgeon to the Royal Infirmary in Edinburgh, um, but was dismissed in 1822 due to disagreements with the head surgeon. They didn't say what the, what the disagreements were about, oh, but they were just like, he got, <laughs> he was just dismissed. Um, and that was until 1827. Oh my God, I bet it was like, uh, no, you don't make the people drunk before you cut off their limbs. And the guy was like, yes, you do. <laughs> you do. There you go. That's the argument. And we know which side of the argument I would be on, which is the right one. <laughs> the right one. So um, 
1828, he is finally, he's reinstated in 1827, and then he's finally promoted in 1828, where he becomes a full operating surgeon. I think a house surgeon was more of just like, you'd go house to house and all that, versus an operating surgeon was more of like, you'd have that theater of operation. Um, and this is really where our story takes place, because not only was Robert Liston a great surgeon, he was a fast as fuck surgeon. This worries me. Fast as fuck. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> okay, why is it like I hear that he's fast and I'm like, okay, then he didn't need the anesthetic. Like, okay, well, if he was so oh. fast, just go in. Yeah, you know, cutting off a limb, I don't think I'd, I'd, think I'd want But he's fast. But he's fast. So, um, so he was actually described as the fastest knife in the West End, which is a little, it's a cute little that, pun on it. That sounds um, like something you would hear in like... Like the back alleys of like <laughs> New York streets or whatever, like some gang shit. The fastest knife in the West. Yeah. The knife. He's no, gonna no, ship well, your ass. You don't, wanna... <laughs> you don't want to fuck with them. You don't want to play cards with them. <laughs> He's the fastest knife. <laughs> He'll get you. Um, well, can you guess how long it took him to amputate a leg? Just, just in, in, ooh, ooh, in ooh. The, how long? Uh, I'm gonna say 45 seconds. You're. You're close. Should we do I mean, prices not... right rules? Let's see if I can come. <laughs> okay, go Don't for it. Don't you dare say 46. <laughs> I'm going to say 60 seconds. 60 seconds? You're both, you both have a very, it's two and a half minutes. Oh, okay, um, which, okay, okay, which, okay. Which is fast as fuck. That's fast a... as knife my ass, more like butter knife. Butter <laughs> 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 But like, okay, you could just take a hatchet. And it takes like three seconds. Like, what was? Yeah, but you they... don't want like shards of bone and shit splintered everywhere. Yeah. Do yeah, they I know mean... what that was back then? Like, okay. <laughs> and when you say amputate, like, does that also include like sewing up? Yes. No, like the the whole the whole operation took two and a half minutes. Oh, oh. So the whole operation from start to finish, not just like hacking it off. No, no. I think I judging by what I've read, it seemed like the 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 whole operation took two and a half minutes. Okay, that's fucking badass. Good for him. Can this guy um, fix my sweaters? Like, how long would it take him to sew up his sweater? <laughs> From one of the stories that I'm, I'll tell you later, I don't know if you'd want that. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Uh -oh. So, literally, one of his famous quotes from Liston is, Time me, gentlemen. Time me. It <laughs> <laughs> oh, was, was a personal little challenge. He, he loved being timed on Did his surgeries. Did he have surgeries. a fun mustache? I feel like this guy was fun. <laughs> I don't, you know, I actually, I'll have to look back at the portraits and tell you that. Um, I don't Had know, me I, a tonic I, and time me. Time me, gentlemen. <laughs> time me, gentlemen. With his little pocket watch. <laughs> <laughs> he clicks it on, knifes out. <laughs> <laughs> he, did, he did not have a mustache, but he had fucking fabulous bushy mutton chops. Ooh, oh yes, he did. You're right. You Dime are so me. right. I'm googling it right now. But the the one thing is, um, his speed didn't really compromise the quality of his work. I'll say quality very loosely here because we, we're also talking about 1800 surgery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But he was able to he was able to complete operations in a matter of seconds. You know, at a point where surgery, like the speed of the surgery, was essential to one reduce pain and increase the likelihood of survival of the patient. So in a medical textbook the notes on nursing there was a, a quote about this where there's there are many physical operations where all things being equal the danger is an, is a direct ratio to time the operation lasts and the operator's success will be in direct ratio to his quickness 
So it, this was this was like being quick was a great thing. Like this is this is what really helped him, you know, stand out was just how damn quick he was at, at doing these surgeries. And a typical list in surgery was described as the following. <laughs> this is great. Oh, no. <laughs> he sprung across the blood-stained boards upon swooning, sweating, strapped-down patient like a duelist, calling, time me, gentlemen, time me, to his students <laughs> craning with pocket watches from the iron-railed galleries. Everyone swore the first flash of his knife was followed so swiftly by the rasp of saw on bone that sight and sound seemed simultaneous. To free both hands, he would clasp the bloody knife between his teeth. Oh, my no. God. no. No. <laughs> <gasps> Oh I was my. fine with all of. I mean, I wasn't fine with all of that, but that part got to me. Oh my quick. god! So he yes. could yell "time me," but he couldn't say "hold this." <laughs> I, you know, well, once again, from a story I'll tell you later, I don't think you'd want to have hands in there. He's like a blur. He's like a blur of knives. So it's I don't think you want to have hands. Not in there. only is he a blur of knives. But he's also like basically spitting all over the inside of this person. <laughs> yes, you're so oh. right. So very clearly, the connection between surgical hygiene and infection was very poorly understood at this time, and it was only a few years later that that people really began to understand this. But in Liston's day, surgeons operated in 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 what they called blood stiffened coats. Where the oh, stiffer no. the coat, the prouder the surgeon. So oh. it was just like they were so covered in blood that, like, the, you know, <laughs> they'd be like standing, <laughs> couldn't move their arms because their, their coat was so stiff oh, from blood. Oh, that is so. But I remember hearing that, that like you wanted a surgeon with more and more and more bloody clothes because it meant that they were more experienced. Yes. That's you kind of what this whole, want a whole clean idea surgeon. is. Yeah. That doesn't mean it's good experience. Oh, so Gene just posted some extra pictures in Bibness. I see he's got the crazy mutton chops all the way down basically to his mouth. Mm-hmm. And there is a an image of a man fighting for his life on the operating <laughs> table and at least six people holding him down. And presumably the surgeon's not even in this image because he's moving too fast. To he's moving seen. too fast. He <laughs> could be seen. What is said next is that that pus was inseparable from surgery as blood, and cleanliness was next to prudishness. That's what they described the surgery as. Wait, um, wait, implying that being clean is like being a little bitch, basically. Exactly, exactly. It's like being too prude to, to you know, perform surgeries. Man, they had it really backwards back then. Really backwards. Well, literally, like in this era, they believed there was no point in being clean and that cleanliness was out of place. <laughs> so ridiculous. They, oh they said to be clean was akin to an executioner getting his nails manicured before chopping off a head. Wow, what a oh. fucking hateful thing to say. Yeah, this sounds homophobic. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, but like... Really, though, like this fits in with like the whole dandy kind of thing, like mm, where they're uh-huh. like, if you're if you're like taking care of yourself or if you're trying to play it safe, then fucking macaroni, dandy macaroni, dandy macaroni. Well, <laughs> we'll kind of kind of get into that a little bit. Um, but it wasn't until 1847. That's when hygiene really started to improve and mortality rates fell. Where people were just like, oh shit, don't be disgusting in the operating room and people won't die. Imagine that. But, <laughs> imagine that. But the, the cool thing about Liston was it was written that he was a man of strong character and ethics who was unfailingly charitable to the poor who he treated, you know, who he treated to or, or, or you know, he tended to, sorry. Um, 
which was very unpopular among his fellow surgeons in the Royal Infirmary. They're just like, don't treat the poor, fuck them. And he was just like, no, I will go knife them, you know. They're the macaronis, <laughs> his fellow surgeons. Exactly. And, and he loved to operate on patients that were discharged as hopelessly incurable. So he's a pretty cool guy. He, yeah, he just, yeah, yeah. He's like, my knife doesn't discriminate. My yeah. knife doesn't discriminate. So anesthesia is super important because Liston viewed anesthesia as what he called a Yankee Dodge for making man insensible to pain. And I was like, what the fuck does he mean by a Yankee Dodge? So it turns out anesthesia was, was first administered in the U.S. a few months earlier. So he kind of looked at it as a Dodge for pain made by the Yankees. So Yankee Dodge. I don't know. That's that's just my synopsis yeah, of Yankee Dodge. So he publicly administered ether to a patient and then performed a leg amputation. And after the surgery was complete, the patient woke up and the patient was was so out of it, came to and just goes, you know, believed that the surgery had yet to be performed because he hadn't felt it. So he was just like, take me back. I can't have this done to me. Ah, you <laughs> fool. Oh, it's <laughs> Liston, Liston realizes like, Holy shit, he didn't experience any of that pain. Yeah, that's fucking awesome. This shit is good. And he even said this shit is better than mesmerism. So mesmerism... <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, is oh, a, yeah, yeah. I know about this. I know about this. It's a form of medical hypnosis that was used before anesthesia. And, we, like, it, it completely discredited, of course. But um, he was just like, this is better than mesmerism. Like, holy <laughs> shit, we could really use this. And the, they really the operation... tried everything. I can't believe they just <laughs> fucking hypnotize people. <laughs> yeah, right. And you thought that just alcohol was a bad idea. <laughs> oh, How about true. I just gaslight you for an hour before I start hacking you <laughs> up? <laughs> well, the operation was a success because the leg was off and the dude didn't even realize it. So it, that's super cool. And Liston was just like, this anesthesia stuff is great. Um, so he really helped revolutionize surgery because this was a very public operation. And so, you know, all the students learned about it. Basically, everyone learned about it. I was like, oh, my God, this shit's great. So um, there's a great little article from the wiki article about anesthesia and, you know, how it was used in this landmark surgery and, and just like what was done after landmark surgery. So I'll post that probably in Discord at some point. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to finish up with one of his most famous cases that Liston ever worked on. So this case, it's it's debated as to if this actually existed or actually happened, but this case is wild because it had a 300% mortality rate. Wait, and you wait, might be asking, 300%, <laughs> how the fuck do you get a 300% mortality rate? <laughs> well, <laughs> so Liston amputated a leg in his classic two and a half minutes. The patient died afterwards from gangrene. He accidentally amputated the fingers of his young assistant... <gasps> who died afterwards from gangrene. That's how oh. fast he was. That People would just have shit flying off of them if they were within the vicinity. <laughs> within the vicinity. He's like a fucking blade of knives, just like fucking just off with those fingers. My and God. then, he, this is especially blade of knives, he accidentally slashed through the coat of a spectator who was so terrified that the knife had pierced one of his vitals that he fainted and ended up dying of shock. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> so literally, one surgery, three people dead, which is just wild. <laughs> I also can't. In my mind's eye, I just imagine like a flailing lunatic. He's just a spinning blade. He just fucking takes shit off. And then... Also, how do you die from the impression that you might have been hurt? <laughs> what was that person? If that person was so delicate, why were they in the front row? That's <laughs> like, true. Can't... Well, he did see he did see the assistants or whoever's that was fingers just go flying off out of nowhere. So. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty true. That's I'm sure, it was a little, an unnerving sight. Yeah. So as I said, that's it's not 
very clear if this actually happened 100%, but it's just a wild story about Liston. It fucking happened. It, it probably, <laughs> it's so wild. It probably did. Oh, my God. So, yeah, that's that's a little bit about Robert Liston, one of the fastest, fastest surgeons to ever have lived. And he seems like a pretty cool guy, and I'm super happy I ended up on him. So, wow, yeah, that is awesome. Him. Yeah, he's cool. We like him. We yeah. like <laughs> he's a, he's a good guy. <laughs> Fabulous. Thank you, Drew. That was really he's, good. He's no Paracelsus, but you know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but did Paracelsus kill three people at once? <laughs> no. Not that we trying know. To, trying to save a life, like, you know. <laughs> oh my god, kill three people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's Robert Liston. Love awesome. it. All right. Where to really start? I told you that my real topic is the petticoat affair, but I got here because of the gorgeous hussy. I was entranced. <laughs> uh, okay, the gorgeous hussy was about a real event in American history called the petticoat affair. And I thought it was going to be scandalous as fuck, and it kind of is. But I'll give you the caveat that I don't give a shit about American history. And I'm really sorry, because I've really tried really, really tried. But it's like, you know, sometimes you get that high-pitched ringing in your ears all of a sudden out of nowhere. I yeah. swear to God that happens to me every time people talk <laughs> to me about government. Government, government, blah, blah, blah. Like, I just don't listen. So we're going to have a fun Lindsay take on American history. Oh, yeah. In let's, yeah. let's do it, because I also fucking think American history is the most boring kind of history there is. It, oh. I'm going to give you, I'm going to bookend this story for you front to end. The Petticoat Affair starts with a random woman who was just like a really hot bartender, and it ends with almost the downfall of the American government. Ooh, <laughs> let's go. I want to give a huge shout out to the history guy on YouTube. I read this wiki article many times over, and it just doesn't stick in my head. So I took to alternate forms of media, and the way that the history guy, that's his name, told the story and included pictures made it so much more fun. So without this guy, I wouldn't have a topic. So thank you, the history guy. Thank right. you. <laughs> so basically what you would need to know to really set the scene in your mind is that it's like early 1800s America. So we just came out of the civil, oh my God, we just came out of the Revolutionary War, but the Civil War hasn't happened yet. So it's like, okay, yeah, we, we're done with like thinking that Britain is our enemy. And now we're at the point where we're starting to look at each other and we're like, kind of, kind of hate you bastards a little bit yeah. <laughs> and it's like enough where we've like re-emerged from not having a centralized government and now we're like mm, i don't really like how things are run around here like while while the clay is still wet let's like make this what i want so there's a lot of kind of ambient uncertainty to begin with but the beginnings of a structure and politics is starting to heat up in a way that is getting nasty Okay, you've heard of Andrew Jackson. He's on money, so you've heard of him. Okay, so this is during Jackson's presidency, which is, like, still pretty early. And, like, he had, I think he was a general in, like, the War of 1812. So, like, he's still involved in the military, but it's not the same as, like, George Washington. It's, like, to me, this is, like, the secondary tier of founding fathers where it's, like, maybe you've heard of Andrew Jackson. And if yeah. he wasn't on the money, would you have ever heard of him? Probably no. not. <laughs> <laughs> So Andrew Jackson, I guess, in American history is important because his, I guess, election process was really, really, really heated and really scandalous. And part of the outcome of this is 
two-party system, having Democrats and Republicans. Andrew Jackson was the first Democrat because he won the popular vote. And then when it went through like the other bodies of government to like make the decision, he lost. And so he was like, fuck you. Like, I represent the people and I didn't oh, win. <laughs> does this sound familiar at all? Yes, yes it does. <laughs> oh, um, I hate it here. Yeah. So this, so he was like, well, fuck you. If we're a democracy, I represent the people. So he was the first of the Democratic Party. And I don't remember who his opponent was, and I don't really care. And he was the first Republican. Okay, so that's kind of the climate of what we're talking about here. But more importantly, as per Lindsay, this whole process for Jackson going through the presidency, but what was happening behind the scenes, he was in love with a woman who was in love with him back. She became his wife, which is great. Um, This happened... Sounds sounds normal so far. Kind of normal, yeah. They were married in the 1700s. And at the time, they were kind of in the Wild West of fucking Nashville. Like, this is like (laughs) the time where, like, the rest of the United States, as we know, it doesn't exist yet. So they're in Nashville and they're like, it's crazy out here. Like, no rules, like, whatever. So she gets married to her first husband and it doesn't work out and they get divorced. And kind of like in this uncertain not real rules wild west of nashville uh she thought her husband took care of the divorce and she went and eloped with jackson in spain (laughs) not spain as we know it but spanish louisiana (laughs) oh i was like what the hell were they doing back there (laughs) so they like fuck off to spanish louisiana and get eloped Turns out she was not actually divorced, but it was kind of one of those things back then where it was like so without precedent and and laws as as we think of them that it was kind of like if consensus in the community is fine with the divorce, then it's not scandalous. Everyone's like, yo, okay, you got divorced. Like we hate that asshole too. Okay, move on kind of a thing. (laughs) But they'd like kind of moved around a bunch. So fast forward literally 34 years after their marriage, Jackson's running for president and people are digging that shit up and they're like... Your wife was a polygamist because she was technically married when you guys got married. So it's like ancient shit that they're digging up and throwing in his face. It got really nasty and really personal. Well, why does any of this matter? Because it weighed on Jackson's wife so bad that she literally had a heart attack and died (gasps) before he became president. (gasps) The poor woman. Yeah, it destroyed her. So Jackson is like a Byronic hero. Like he goes to the funeral and he's like, I'm paraphrasing, but he's like, God better forgive you because I'm not to everybody at the funeral. (laughs) Instill the fear of God on all of them. He was like, that's a big W. Fuck you all. I'll never forgive you. But I guess God, God has to. Mm. Anyway. Still really actually just setting precedent because what happens is Washington, D.C., as it was in the early 1800s, there is this really sexy barmaid. She's really young, real hot. Her name is Peggy. Like, we love <laughs> we love a good nickname, Peggy. She's charming as fuck. She's witty. And she's a fucking hussy. Like, she's just, like, slinging. A gorgeous hussy. She's a gorgeous hussy. Like, she's flirting with, like, politicians as they come in. And she knows she's hot shit. Like, she knows she's better than everybody. And she tried to elope 
twice before the age of 16. Like literally 15 years old trying to elope with men who are frequenting the bar. Mm. Little scandalous, this woman. So at 17, Peggy meets this regular to the bar and his name is John Timberlake, but we can call him JT. Oh, stop. I was going to say no relation to Justin Timberlake. You don't know that. I guess I don't. She meets Jay Timberlake and she's like, okay, I'm in love. Been trying to get married. I'm like ripe old age of 17. (laughs) Whisk me off my feet. (laughs) It's got to happen sometime. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to happen. I'm drying up over here. (laughs) It's got to happen sometime. (laughs) Oh, no. So she gets, you know. Married to this this JT, and uh, he's like this sexy Navy kind of guy. I don't really know what the Navy really does other than go on boats, but she's like, <laughs> okay, you know, got this hunky sailor type, whatever. Oh, yeah. And they become friends with a guy named um, John Eaton, who actually becomes like the protagonist of the story. Petty and Peggy, sorry, Peggy and John Eaton become are the protagonists. So John Eaton meets this couple. Peggy's hot as fuck, and alluring as fuck and john is like i'm gonna help this couple out goodwill really just love these people okay and he says to jt i've got a really good job for you in the navy i'm really well connected i live in washington i'm bffs with andrew jackson who i don't think was the president yet i don't actually remember but anyway he's like well connected and so he gets jt a job that's like really high up in the navy well john goes on this expedition and fucking dies JT dies and people start to make rumors that he died by committing suicide because he suspected that Peggy was cheating on him with John Eaton. Who are these people and why can't they mind their own goddamn business? It gets so much worse. This is literally like what almost overthrew our government was how much worse it gets. (laughs) So she like, I agree with you, but so many more people make it their business. (laughs) 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 So, okay. Come to find out, that like JT actually died because of pneumonia and he Mm. was like out on boats and like whatever the fuck else. So fine. But anyway, Ian is like, oh shit, Peggy's single now and I'm in love with her. And he's like 28. So he's like full 10 years older than this Peggy. And like he's still in love, whatever. And he goes to his BFF, Andrew Jackson. And he's like, what do I do about this? Because I love this woman, but I knew her husband. So it's like kind of awkward. And also I gave him this job that killed him. And Andrew Jackson is like, oh shit. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Andrew Jackson is literally like YOLO, my dude. Like you only live once. (laughs) You need to marry. So Peggy gets remarried eight to nine months after her husband died. So she's cool with it. She's moving on fast and everybody else is like, you did not mourn long enough. That is super weird. And then that's when the rumors start to get worse that John Eaton sent this guy away or that like her former husband committed suicide. Well, anyway, Andrew Jackson is doing his whole thing with becoming president and shit like that. And Eaton's his best friend. So Eaton eventually becomes, what was it? Secretary of War. He's in the cabinet as a secretary of war. So he's got this really high position. And Eaton's wife is Peggy, this common hussy. Okay, here's where I actually thought things start to really heat up in a cool way. This woman whose name is Florida, but it's spelled like fluoride. I don't know if you've ever heard of John C. Calhoun, 
who was yeah. also president. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. His wife is fluoride okay. or Florida, however you want Florida. to say it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I read it as fluoride and I was like, you stupid bitch. You <laughs> 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 Your parents doomed you. You stupid bitch. Fluoride is like, I hate Peggy. And I won't rest until everyone else hates Peggy. And they hated her because she was just... A gorgeous hussy. Was a gorgeous hussy. ugly? Okay, I looked at pictures of everybody, and I will send them to you. Everybody okay. looks painfully average. <laughs> <laughs> no one looks impressive. I'm right, going to say right. it right now. Wait, including including Peggy? Oh my god, Peggy, like, you, you would think that, like, as a portrait, they would try to dress her up. It, yeah. Like, it must be just different beauty standards. Let me show. I'm gonna show you a picture of Peggy right now. Let's do it. Now I've like completely biased you because you're you're not gonna fall to the floor and start crying when you see this. Oh no, she's yeah, she's nice. I like, like her. I mean, she, it's it's a simple. I feel like this isn't like one of those like fancy portraits. She's it's it's like a it's almost like cartoony. Um, yeah, like it's not, like a false color. Yeah, almost. Yeah, it looks like they got a cheap cheap artist to make this instead of like someone who actually knows how to make portraits. But that being said, she looks good. Actually, this was actually, you're not far off because this was on a cigarette carton. Oh, well, shit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it kind of does look like a cheap cartoon because it's like, this isn't, this isn't one for the locket folks. Like this no. isn't going in your breast pocket. This is, you know. I would say though, if, if you could imagine this picture like as a real person, I'd say she's beautiful. I mean, she's wearing a low-cut top. Like, that helps. Okay, that's not why I was saying that, but okay. <laughs> this is the last thing I was looking at. Ooh, it's getting warm in here. Ooh. This is, I tell, I'm going to make you sweat. This is a picture of her. Um, the wiki article says later in life, so she looks a bit older. And maybe oh, yeah. you can look back through the years with your imagination. She, she looks like a president's wife in this picture. Well, she, well, secretary of war. Uh, well, close enough. Close enough. This Some is authority's wife. Florida looks like a Bible study Florida. leader. Uh, oh my god! Yeah, Florida, yeah, I was, could see why. Florida was jealous. Green with Flor- envy. Florida has actually. They both do. They both have a strong middle part going on in their hair. They do. <laughs> oh yeah, um, right. <laughs> which I really think means high society in my mind. Mm, <laughs> the same that way that Crocs part. are religious. <laughs> I thought I thought you were about to say the same way Crocs are high society these days. I was like, get the fuck out. You're done. They both have like a canyon of their middle part. Like it is <laughs> it is strong. Different times, different standards. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty weird. Like I don't really I look at the cigar box picture and I'm like, she doesn't really look innocent. She doesn't really look sexy. Curls also don't really look neat. Like her hair looks kind of long and messy. But on the panels next to her, it's like one of them is her getting married and another one is men fighting over her. That's what that other panel is. (laughs) I think she looks hot for the times, especially on that first picture that we were talking about where I think she's beautiful. I think she looks hot. What feature do you think really seals the deal for you? Is it her cheeks, her nose? I think it's just the voluptuous tousled hair. Ooh, that's a good way to put that. Yeah. She looks like she doesn't give a damn and she knows she's hot. <laughs> she does really have a voluptuous look about her. And yeah. I think she would be proud to know that. Like, she really was. She was bright. Like, there are direct quotes from her in the wiki article where, she, where she's, like, basically saying before other women could walk, like, men were interested in my skirt. 
Like she was like, (laughs) (laughs) people want me. That's like what she's about. She knew her. If I were, if I were a woman, I would not mind looking like her. At least in that first picture. That's true. Oh, maybe I should be here for Halloween one year. (laughs) No one will know. No one will know. I'll barely know. (laughs) Who are you? A gorgeous hussy. A gorgeous hussy. A gorgeous hussy. (laughs) (laughs) Throw my hair around. I'm a gorgeous hussy. Uh, Where did I leave off? I have no idea. (laughs) Oh, fluoride. I was talking about fluoride. Yes, fluoride, yeah. Okay, okay. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Was that, okay, genuinely what sealed the deal for me in capturing my interest was a point that the history guy brought up in his video, which was that women at the time could not vote. Mm -hmm. And it was going to be a long time before they could. This was the early 1800s and women couldn't vote until like the 1900s, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So the political power that women had was kind of like they were officially or unofficially in charge of the morals of the United States. Like they were the moral guide of their husbands. Their husbands had all the political power. And so they were more of like the society kind of standards. Like we decide what's proper. We decide what is the morals of the country kind of uh, at large. I'm, I'm starting to, I think I, I'm starting to see where this is going and what the yeah. problem is here. <laughs> so fluoride, Florida saw herself as kind of a leading role. It was her duty to the country to uphold sort of Christian standards. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously our hussy didn't fit that picture, which is where I'm no. sure you see this going. Yes, But it would get to the point that it would be a little bit hostile and start to actually interrupt with the flow of politics. So the women who were in the cabinet or married to men who were in the presidential cabinet would take turns hosting dinners and hosting parties. And it would get to the point where other women would say to their husbands, you're not going to that party. You're not attending that dinner or I refuse to. And these are still places where, you know, politics would be done or people would have like important conversations. And it created a rift that penetrated. I wish I didn't use that verb. And now I just said it. It it was it created a rift (laughs) that permeated. Let's use permeated. Hey, permeated into actually the run of the government. And it got to the point where tensions were just so high that people needed to actually come in and mediate. And what ended up happening at the end of the day was that John Eaton and another uh, cabinet member who I guess was on the other side of the argument had to resign. And I think the important context in all of this that I kind of set up in the beginning is that Andrew Jackson was actually very sympathetic to Eaton and Peggy, not just because they were friends, but he kept thinking back to how his wife died. And he was like, oh, yeah. I, he was really like, I do not tolerate this bullying and this kind of behavior. And there was some quote from him saying, I'm the fucking, well, not really, but he was, <laughs> I'm paraphrasing again, but he was like, I'm the fucking president. All of these women with their drama, they're not the fucking president. I can't make presidential decisions based on like all this women's fucking drama. Yeah, sit the fuck down, host your parties and shut the fuck up. <laughs> Know your place. Host your parties. (laughs) No, no, he didn't think. Well, actually, I don't know what he thought. But that's kind of actually where the petticoat affair comes from was all of these women. So petticoat is like a type of skirt or like part that slips under your skirt. And all of these women obviously like wore petticoats. So it was a women's affair that ended up really creating this awful domino effect. So once Eaton and the other guy resigned who was on the other side of the argument 
that started, I guess, or led the left the door open for Jackson to fire the rest of his cabinet. So what ended up happening was the in almost all except for one person, the postmaster general, everybody in the cabinet was forced to resign. And and these were like all high society bullies, basically, that he fired. Is that what yes. I'm getting? Yeah. But yeah. it would be the same as if today. So who's in the cabinet? The Secretary of War, the Secretary of the Treasury, the Secretary of State, everybody. The, yeah. Important fucking people. Important mm. fucking people. And this was when the United States government, first of all, wasn't the United States yet. Or I guess it was, but I mean, we still had like, you know, the annexation of Texas hadn't happened yet. Like, you know, still didn't even have all the states. But I would say that the grand American experiment, I guess, uh, maybe that he was, was even later too. Whatever. All I mean to say is that the, <laughs> the government was like brand fucking new. And for everybody in the cabinet to resign, everyone yeah. was like, is this the end? Like, dude, <laughs> is, is the government going to fall apart right now? Unsure. I, I mean, mean, it basically it was. <laughs> it was mid falling apart. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and this was still before. So I guess some of the uh, fallout from this or some of the resolution that happened actually prolonged what would have been the Civil War by like a few decades. There were, it like, really inflamed other issues that were going on at the time. I told you it was all of this mudslinging that was kind of starting to happen. And uh, I hate that. I hate that that was a thing even back then. I thought that was like a more like since like the 1960s kind of thing. But this shit was happening from the very beginning, apparently. Yes. Like I was thinking back to just the few presidential debates I've watched Mm -hmm. and like feeling disappointed that they get so far off topic, bringing up things about their personal lives. Such bullshit. And this is really, it's... It's hundreds of years old. That uh, that it makes is me bullshit. very angry. I want to say irrationally, but no, I'm rationally angry right now. <laughs> <laughs> so no, rational right people now. People don't change. <laughs> Fuck. It, it, it's true. People don't change. And that is how a single barmaid almost led to the downfall of the entire American <laughs> government. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for stomaching American history. And speaking of stomaching... <laughs> Thanks for learning all of the, I don't even know what adjective to use, unsettling. <laughs> I guess that's it, yeah. Creepy. We, we, we went all over the place today. This was a really good episode. Everybody's in for a treat. If you would like to hang out with us on Discord, like I said at the beginning, there is always a link waiting for you, and we'll be there. Yeah. We're waiting. All of your, your most gorgeous hussies will be waiting for you on the other <laughs> end. Really, the easiest way to get in contact with us is at Go Ask Alice Pod on Twitter, if Twitter still exists when this episode goes out. And if you're into Patreon, which, you know, I am. I think a lot of people are i think everybody cool is doing it we have a patreon <laughs> so you can come sub our patreon you get ad free episodes and some hand drawn but factory made stickers that are mailed to you from australia and um at the end of the day you get our undying respect which really is mm-hmm. priceless when you think about it absolutely we love vixie yeah we love vixie we love vixie bye you're good at <laughs> bye bye <laughs> <laughs>